Good evening, my friends. I hope it is midnight wherever you are. Let's imagine that it's the witching hour. Why don't you turn out all the lights? Yes, even that one. That's better. My name is Josh Hitchens, and I am your host tonight. Welcome to Going Dark Theater, and this midnight I will tell you the tale of the Bloody Castle. If these walls could talk. When visiting a building that holds centuries of history in its stones, you may wish that the ancient walls could speak to you. What stories would they tell? What secrets could they reveal? There are some places on this earth with a past so violent that the walls would do much more than talk. If they could, they would scream. Lep Castle, located in the village of Coolderry in County Offaly, Ireland, is one of those places. No one knows exactly when Lep Castle was built. Some say it stood as early as the 12th century, others say as late as the 15th. What is known for certain is that Lep was constructed on land held sacred by the ancient druids, used by them for their secret initiation rituals, which some scholars believe involved human sacrifice. Lep Castle's original name was Leem Ui Banain, which means Leap of the Obanans in Gaelic. The Obanans were a powerful clan residing in County Tipperary. As the legend goes, two of the Obanan brothers were fighting over which one of them would become chieftain of the clan. In order to settle the question, the brothers challenged each other to jump from the cliff where the castle was to be built. The brother that survived this suicidal leap would become the head of the clan. And in this way, Lep Castle's bloody history began. The O'Bannons did not remain in control of Lep for very long. They were under the rule of the hugely powerful and vicious O'Carroll clan who seized the castle for themselves. The O'Carroll clan's lust for power and domination created a horrific legacy of human carnage within the walls of Lep Castle, leaving supernatural scars that remain with us to this day. The O'Carrolls once hired another clan, the McMahons, to murder many of their rivals. After the McMahons had successfully completed this task, 
The O'Carrolls invited them all to a celebratory feast at Lep Castle. Instead of paying the McMahons for their work, the O'Carroll clan poisoned the feast and then cut the throats of every McMahon in the castle. This was not the only time the O'Carrolls committed this sort of massacre at Lep. They did it frequently, and their bloodthirsty reputation became legendary in Ireland. The ghosts of the massacred McMahons have been seen and heard in the castle's great hall, the sound of their dying screams echoing through Lep in the dark of the night. In 1532, the leader of the O'Carroll clan had died, and once again, brother fought against brother for the title of chief. The deceased leader's sons, Thaddeus and Teague, developed a rivalry that was to become deadly, one that desecrated the small chapel at Lep and gave birth to a haunting. One day, Thaddeus, who was a priest, began saying mass in the chapel before his brother Teague arrived. Teague regarded this as a great insult. He entered the chapel in a rage and murdered Thaddeus while he was saying mass, slaughtering him with a sword. The priest's butchered body fell onto the altar, which became red with his blood. Ever since, the room has been known as the Bloody Chapel. The ghost of Thaddeus O'Carroll, the murdered priest, has been seen inside the chapel, as well as on the staircase leading up to it. Today, the chapel is one of the areas of Lep that has never been restored, and its ruined walls said by many to hold an aura of intense evil. For well over a century, people outside the castle at night have often reported seeing the windows of the bloody chapel illuminated by bright lights. What makes this frightening is that the bloody chapel is not, and was never, wired for electricity. The bloody chapel also contains a narrow trap door that drops eight feet down into an oubliette, which is derived from the French word oublier, meaning to forget. An oubliette is a particularly sadistic form of dungeon, a place of forgetting, and the O'Carroll clan used the oubliette as a means of disposal for many of their enemies. These enemies would be thrown down into the oubliette if they were lucky, they would fall onto the sharp wooden spikes implanted in the floor and die relatively quickly. If they were unlucky and missed the spikes, or if the oubliette was too full, they would be left to slowly starve to death in the pitch-black darkness, surrounded by the skeletons and still-rotting corpses of previous victims. The oubliette at Lep Castle was rediscovered in the early 20th century. The family living at Lep, the Darbys, 
were horrified by what they found inside of it, a sea of human bones. They decided to remove the skeletons, and it took three full cartloads to carry them all out. It is estimated that the remains of 150 people were inside the dark, narrow chamber. But there was one more chilling discovery. Amidst the skeletons, a gold pocket watch was found. The pocket watch was examined by an expert who determined that it had been made in the 1850s. The oubliette, it seems, was in use far more recently than anyone had believed. Many say that the opening of the oubliette and the removal of the bones sent psychic shockwaves throughout the castle, and it was after this time that the haunting of Lep Castle became even more violent. The Darby family has had succeeded the O'Carrolls as owners of Lep Castle in 1649. Many of the earliest stories about Lep being haunted originated from Jonathan Darby and his wife, Mildred, who married and moved into the castle in 1889. Mildred Darby was a writer of Gothic novels, although like many female writers of the time, she used a male pseudonym for her published works. Mildred Darby was also passionately interested in spiritualism and held many seances at Lep Castle while she lived there. This dabbling in the occult may also have caused the ghosts of the castle to become more active, and Mildred Darby kept detailed records of the supernatural events she and others experienced during this period in Lep's terrifying history. One of the apparitions recorded by Mildred Darby has become known as the Red Lady. She has been described as the specter of a very tall woman with dark hair wearing a long crimson silk dress, carrying a large, sharp dagger in her upraised hand. The legend says that the Red Lady was a woman who was captured by the O'Carroll clan centuries ago. She was kept prisoner in one of the castle rooms and eventually conceived a child by one of her captors. When the baby was born, the O'Carrolls killed the infant, and the grieving mother then committed suicide by cutting her own throat. Her phantom has been seen ever since, glowing with an unearthly light, holding the knife she used to end her life centuries ago. Mildred Darby later wrote about this spirit, saying, There is a tall, dark woman in the historic scarlet silk dress that rustles. She haunts the blue room, which always used to be the nursery, and sobs at the foot of the children's beds. 
A friend of the Darbys wrote about their encounter with the Red Lady for an article in the Occult Review in 1909. On the 31st of October, I went to my bedroom about 11 p.m. During the night, the time was 12.45 a.m. as I subsequently saw by my watch, I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. It was pitch dark and at first I could see nothing. I was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased in intensity. Almost immediately I felt as much as saw that there was a tall figure in the middle of the room. What is it? I asked. There was no answer, but now I could see, dimly at first, and then with increasing distinctness, that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red, and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air, to my utter astonishment, I could see the light which illuminated the figure was from within, having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in a photographer's room. As the figure advanced towards me, the light increased, and I could see distinctly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, knife, or dagger in her hand. What is it? I asked again, adding, Who is it? And then hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle. As the flame of the match and candle illuminated the room, I looked all around. The room was empty. The red ladies weeping and anguished screams sometimes echo through the castle's empty rooms. The present owner of Lep Castle, musician Sean Ryan, has often heard the sound of a woman screaming when no one else is present in the building. The most terrifying paranormal being to haunt Lep Castle was also first described by Mildred Darby. It is thought to be an ancient elemental spirit known only as It. In her interview with the Occult Review, Mildred Darby recounted her first experience with the Elemental. Suddenly, two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned round sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a grey thing standing a couple of feet from me, with its bent arms raised as if it were cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was, its very undefinableness rendering the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape, a little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features, but the whole figure, head, face, hands, and all was gray, unclean 
bluish gray, something of the color and appearance of common cotton wool. But oh, so sinister, repulsive and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it is what they call an elemental. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman in its vileness, with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and a thick saliva-dripping jaw sloping back suddenly into its neck. Nose, it had none, only spreading cancerous cavities, the whole face being a uniform tint of gray. This, too, was the color of the dark, coarse hair covering its head, neck, and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair, so were its paws, large, loose, and hand-shaped and it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like finger was extended, ready to scratch. Its lusterless eyes, which seemed half decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine, and the horrible smell which had before offended my nostrils only a hundred times intensified came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite and seemed semi-transparent, at least... I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. I felt every hair on my head separate and move, for my flesh all over my body and scalp crept, and every hair on my head stood straight on end. I shall never forget the absolute weakness that came over me, the seeming cessation of the pulses of life, the grip in heart and brain, the deadly numbness which rendered me incapable of thought, word, or action when I first saw that awful beast. A friend of Mildred Darby's who stayed at Lep Castle also saw it, writing to her in a letter. I saw your eyes fixed upon something above our heads, and the next minute my own eyes were filled by the sight of a thing in the gallery looking down at us. There was plenty of light from the lamps in the hall and the one above the wall on the corner of the gallery for every one of us to see quite plainly the grey-coloured figure about the height of a small grown-up person looking down at us. I wish I thought I could ever forget the sight of that grey figure with dark spots like holes in its head instead of eyes, standing with grey arms folded on the gallery railing looking down at us. The thing did not move, only became less and less visible until it vanished. Some believe that the elemental it 
was first conjured by the druids to protect the sacred land on which Lep Castle was eventually built. Others say it is actually the ghost of an O'Carroll clan member who died of leprosy, which would explain the rotting facial features of the thing, as well as the sickly, sweet smell of rotting flesh that accompanies sightings of it. During the Irish Civil War of 1922, Jonathan and Millicent Darby, who were English, were away in England when a tragedy occurred at Lep Castle. Historian Noel Gurin tells it this way. In the early hours of Sunday morning, 30th July 1922, a party of eleven raiders set fire to Lep, totally destroying the north and larger wing and its valuable contents. Giving evidence in the claims court, Richard Dawkins said that on 30th July 1922, he was living in the castle as caretaker with his wife and baby. They were the only persons in the castle that night. Richard Dawkins stated that at 2.20 a.m. there was a knock on the door. He opened the window, put out his head, and saw men outside who stated that they wanted a night's lodging. They ordered him to open the door. He went down and opened the door and was subsequently held at gunpoint. The raiders then stated that they were going to burn the castle. Dawkins asked for time to get his wife and child out and was given twenty minutes to do so. The raiders then went into the castle and poured petrol over the rooms and set them on fire. They kept the family outside from 2.30 a.m. to 5 o'clock a.m. Each of the men had a tin of petrol and all were armed. Some had trench coats and others had bandoliers over their civilian clothes. The men broke furniture before setting the castle on fire. After the fire on Sunday, 30th July, the main part of the building was still intact. Richard Dawkins saved a quantity of the furniture and stored it in one of the outbuildings. The outbuildings were later broken into and looted by people from the surrounding neighborhood who devoted Sunday to making visits to the ruined building and carting home any serviceable articles that had escaped the fire. On Monday morning, 31st July, Richard Dawkins and his family, who had gone to live in the Gate Lodge, heard a knock at the door at 4.20 a.m. Men outside asked him for paraffin oil. He stated that he had none. The men then left and went down to the castle. When he went down to the castle, he found that the southern part of Lep, which had not been burned in the other fire, was now ablaze. Richard Dawkins could not get into the castle to save the valuable furniture and pictures that had survived. Although plenty of people came to see the fire, they only laughed when Dawkins asked them for assistance. In a newspaper report, Jonathan Darby said that it looked as if there were explosives used in the destruction of the castle. He had found some dynamite in the cellar where the raiders got so drunk they could not explode it. He said it was the locals who burned the castle. 
Lep Castle was not the only ancient house destroyed by the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, during this turbulent period in Ireland's history. By 1924, over 500 buildings had been burned, and the families who had lived in them for centuries were driven from Ireland. After the fire of 1922, Lep Castle, a ruin with only its stone walls and ceilings intact, was abandoned. The castle remained abandoned until 1974, when it was purchased by a historian named Peter Bartlett, who was a descendant of the O'Bannons, the original owners of Lep. He began an extensive restoration of the castle, but was disturbed by the near-constant, violent poltergeist activity he and others experienced while trying to bring Lep back to life. Peter Bartlett contacted a white witch to come and try and exorcise the castle's ghosts. After spending many hours locked inside the bloody chapel, the witch emerged and told Bartlett that the spirits inhabiting Lep Castle would no longer be malevolent, but they would also not ever leave. After Peter Bartlett died in 1989, the spirits of Lep Castle again had it all to themselves. In 1991, Musician Sean Ryan and his wife Anne purchased the castle and continued restoring it, resolving to leave the bloody chapel untouched. Aware of Lep's sinister history, the Ryans have also continued to experience paranormal activity. Anne Ryan said in a 1996 interview, Shortly after we arrived here, Sean began working on the building. He had an unfortunate accident and broke his kneecap, which actually had to be removed, and that set us back about a year with the work. When the kneecap repaired, he started to work again, and he had another accident and broke his ankle. And we began to think that we weren't really wanted here, that there was something strange going on. But now we're back restoring the building again. We're happy to share the place with whatever spirits are here. Two spirits that have been seen by the Ryans at Lep Castle are the apparitions of two young girls who were thought to have died there in the 17th century, Emily and Charlotte. They are mostly seen in the main hall and on the staircase. Emily is thought to have died tragically when she was only 11 years old, accidentally falling from the battlements. Visitors to Lep have sometimes seen the disturbing sight of a little girl falling from the southeastern tower, her body disappearing before it hits the ground. Charlotte has a deformed leg which she drags behind her. Sean Ryan said of these spirits, Sometimes we see them quite clearly, ourselves and others as well. Some days it's fainter, 
only an aura. They wear long white dresses. It looks like cotton. And they, the children, seem happy. There are two more ghosts that haunt the main hall at Lep, known only as the governess and the green man. Visitors will often be touched in that room by an unseen hand and feel a woman's long skirts brush against their legs when no one is to be seen. A friend of Sean Ryan's was visiting the castle one day when she saw a tall, older woman wearing a black Victorian dress standing by the fire. The apparition looked directly at her, smiled, and then simply vanished. The green man is the specter of an older gentleman who has been seen sitting peacefully by the fireplace in the main hall. Mildred Darby also also saw this ghost, as well as the governess, in the early 20th century, writing, There is a little old man with a green cutaway coat knee breeches and bright shoe buckles holding a leather bag in his hand, sometimes seen with a little old woman with skinny hands, long black mitts, old-fashioned dress, and a big headdress. The green old man has an intensely cunning face and tries to stop people as they walk past him before disappearing. In 1991, Sean and Anne Ryan welcomed the birth of their daughter, Kira. They decided to hold the baby's christening in the bloody chapel. Decorated with flowers and illuminated by candles, the chapel was filled with sounds of laughter and joy for the first time in centuries. Anne Ryan recalled in her 1996 interview, We had a marvelous day. All our friends and family were there, and it was a great atmosphere. So we think we've laid to rest anything that might have happened previously. Many guests at the christening that day were astonished that although there was a very strong breeze flowing into the chapel through the open windows, not a single candle in the room was blown out or even flickered. The Ryan family still owns Lep, opening it up to visitors and conducting tours, and the restoration work continues. Perhaps one day, when it is completed, the many ghosts born out of Lep Castle's bloody and turbulent history will finally come to rest in peace. Next time we meet We'll travel to a small, beautiful town in the state of New York, a town that is also home to one of the most famous hauntings in the world, known as the Amityville Horror. 
If you enjoy the podcast, I encourage you to leave a rating and a review if the spirit moves you. You can also like Going Dark Theater on Facebook. If you'd like to support the podcast, get access to episode transcripts and the other spooky things I'm working on, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash joshhitchens. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month, and all funds go towards making this podcast a reality. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and you've been listening to Going Dark Theater. Until our next midnight together, I wish you all very pleasant dreams. And now, Going Dark.